welcome to Recommissioned, a bi-weekly podcast where we go back to watch Battlestar Galactica. Each week, I'm joined by my good pal Matt, who has only seen the episodes up to the one we're covering. Now, I've seen them all. And this week, we're talking about Season 3, Episode 2, Precipice. Sometimes I think that you've got ice water in those veins, and other times I think you're just a naive little schoolteacher. I've sent men on suicide missions in two wars now, and let me tell you something. It don't make a God's damn bit of difference whether they're riding in a Viper or walking out onto a parade ground. In the end, they're just as dead. So take your piety and your moralizing and your high-minded principles and stick them someplace safe until you're off this rock and you're sitting in your nice cushy chair on Colonial One again. I've got a war to fight. I've been working on my poetry, and here it goes. We're on the same side of the demons, chief. We're evil men in the gardens of paradise sent by the forces of death to spread devastation and destruction wherever we go. Surprised you didn't know that. (laughs) Now strap on that bomb vest. (laughs) Colonel Ty. Get ready to meet Allah. Colonel Ty, he he gets an MVP this week. Uh, he has two amazing boy. dialogue spreads, and they're just outstanding. And uh, Colonel true. Ty is the man. I really love when Ty doesn't give a fuck, <laughs> which is often, but to this level, an extreme is a new. It's a new level for him. It's exciting to see Ty with a mission. You know, for real right that he is in direct control over. That is an mm-hmm. ugly mission, and that is a mission that you would not, you do not envy him to have, right? Oh, God, no. It'd be the worst position to be in ever. Think about that. That's such a rough spot to be in. But he's handling it like a champ. He's doing as well as I'd imagine he would. With all of the gusto of a Colonel Ty, and all of the gusto that I should have said only a Colonel Ty could muster. Indeed. Indeed. He's going in hard. Like we were talking about last week. I mean, the man got his fucking eye ripped out and dropped on the floor in front of him. And he was like, well, back out to killing these Cylon fucks. Looks like like, a Damn, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Hard-boiled egg. Yeah. Well, here we are, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for tuning in. I got to tell you, back-to-back season three weeks is solid. And uh, there's some good episodes coming. This, This might be my favorite stretch of four or five episodes in a row we're about to do, so... Um, if memory serves, it may not, okay. but if, but if okay. what I think is coming is coming, I think this most definitely is my, my favorite stretch of episodes in the whole show, Damn. which is strange because of where they we're, we're off the ships. We're off. We've, we've totally shifted the, the environment, but all of our players are in their places. And now we see them dance this beautiful death. <laughs> twirl <laughs> absolutely mud splattered awful gritty gray world they have to live in now and fighting an insurgency yep. against a bunch of balaclava wearing terrorists yes holy shit man mm-hmm. did not think i was gonna get this from battlestar yeah so we talked a little bit about this last week and you know last week we that might have been one of our shortest episodes and it was such a compelling one which is hilarious and I was thinking about it afterwards, and I'm like, we just kept wanting to talk about the next part. It was so exciting to run through. It's true. It's true. But I'm going to change our pace a little. Not, I'm not going to make it turtle slow or, or, or unnecessarily long. And I may be talking out of my ass because 
I know at the end of the day, this episode is going to go the way it's going to go. However, I have a lot of contemplating I want to do about where they are, what's going on. I want to ask you some questions. Oh, yeah. You know, and we tackled this, but I want to dive a little deeper, Matthew. Okay. I want to put on the old, uh, the old tall boots and get real deep into it. <laughs> the philosopher's tall boots. Yeah, the philosophy tall boots. I want to step out into the, into the rivers of thoughts and see if we can navigate them. And fly fish for some ideals. Ugh. <laughs> all right, all right. The metaphor's Ugh. got a little unwieldy. All right. And use our moral compasses bait. <laughs> you know what should happen right now? I wish in this metaphorical landscape we've created in our head this fantastical thing that centurions would crest a hill and just waste us both in the water. Just body piles like the AC-130 videos I show on YouTube sometimes. Just pieces everywhere of night vision bodies slowly cooling off. Dean just clamoring for his hand lotion. Anyway. Um, so give me your overall impressions of season three so far. I want to hear you just freeform a little bit without spoiling some of the scenes you know we're going to get to. Touch upon them if you must, but please regale me, Matthew, with your thoughts. Boy, um, my overall, firstly, I love the big shift. And we, we've talked about that some, you know, the, the major shift in direction, the total change of dynamics among certain characters, the introduction of, you know, new dynamics or just the expansion of stuff we haven't really gotten to see much of, uh, just the environment change. All of it is I is risky for one because you're like, I mean, imagine if Star Trek did this where all of a sudden an entire season was like, oh, we're marooned on a planet for a whole fucking season. We're not on the ship at all. No holodeck, no fucking holo, you know, nothing. That would, that would blow everybody away, and I think a lot of people wouldn't like it. But this show has a different kind of like momentum to its story, and, and taking this route was still risky, but I think it's paying off really well. And as far as how I feel about this season, it is much darker uh, in, a, in a good way. Like I, I feel about the first season and the second season that we had particular – characters individual characters and everybody had their hardships everybody alive uh, a part of the humanity in this show is having a rough go um but i feel like there were individuals who were having much worse times like we've always joked about how Hilo was the most fucked over character in the show and just having a terrible go of it there on all alone on caprica um you know the 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 sharon that does come aboard the ship had a terrible go of it for a while after you know coming up from caprica there was all these individual like tragedies and and stories playing out whereas now it feels much more like we are all in the same horrible struggle and being punished and and suffering for it like everybody is suffering somewhat equally i would say the only people kind of not exempt from it but just experiencing it differently are the people aboard the uh the battle stars you know uh, our adama boys and and all of those people there they're approaching this with the pressure of we need to save these people but we are not in the thick of it yet ourselves but dude everybody on new caprica is suffering 
immensely. Um, it feels like a personal gauntlet for every single character, for Tyrrell, for Callie, for Kara, for Ty, for, for everyone. They're all so laid low. I never thought, it, even in a show where all of humanity is, is pinned into a corner and fighting for its survival constantly, I didn't think I'd see them laid this desperate, just literally clinging to the mud and having to just figure out any like MacGyver way they can of fighting back and resisting the silence. And I love it. I I'm really loving the higher pressure of this situation and, and with much less technology behind them to, to back them, just seeing our characters have to improvise, seeing them have to resort to their, just their own wills, their own willpower. That's what we're kind of getting. I think more into focus this time around is how, how deep, how deep can some of these characters dig and and we're seeing like people like Ty digs deep real fast and easy. He it does it almost reflexively. Like you're not gonna push Ty around. He's going to push back. And with some uh, characters, you can see them struggling with it more. Nobody to the, to everyone's credit, nobody has been a a big weeping willow puss about any of this. But I think some characters are having a harder time pushing forward in the fight than others and and that's a cool thing to see because you know everybody's united against the Cylons and everybody's you know uh, sees them as the oppressor here but to see how far some characters are willing to go versus others I think is the new one of the other new dynamics that's finally having light shed on it um, and I just like seeing these kind of like extremisms pop up it's cool that's that's kind of my overall take that we are seeing our characters pushed even further collectively and and then rising out of that individually of like who has who's got the guts to really go all the way in this horrible situation i like it yeah it's funny that you brought up um star trek in this you know this idea of could they could could you wouldn't see or maybe people wouldn't like or have you ever heard of such a thing the only thing you can really equate it to was when they elected to do deep space nine which was going to be okay we're not on a ship we're not we're not going anywhere People are coming to us, which is really against a lot of what Gene Roddenberry was looking for with Star Trek, which is this idea of, you know, embracing, uh, you know, embracing the adventure and the, in the, in the, uh, just embracing the adventure of exploring the galaxy of not being alone. Remember, it's in the 60s. It's a lot different. Um, and even, and even next gen in the time period, it was, was, is behind this in terms of, you know, this came out long after TNG already ended BSG, but. You know, Deep Space Nine was a risk. It was a risk, and it was, we're going to set this thing on a space station. Yes, there's going to be somebody from Starfleet in command, but no, it's going to be all these other people that aren't in Starfleet, and it's going to be a different type of thing that we're going to do. And I love when Star Trek comes up whenever we're talking about Battlestar Galactica because we have to talk, and we have, and we will again, and we're going to right now, Ron Moore, right? Ron Moore was on Deep Space Nine. He worked on it. So much of his influence, I, I feel, you can feel in that show. And whether or not that's his influence or whether or not the show influenced him and that's why he ended up doing Battlestar Galactica, you can see the seedlings in that show. Um, the, and we've talked about this before, but just as a refresher, in Deep Space Nine, when they hit on this major through line, the Dominion War, which is an impressive television, they start to get into these creatures that are changelings. They can look like anybody. Oh, the enemy hidden in plain sight type of thing, right? 
the the That's overwhelming right. force of the Dominion and stuff like this and and character death. Like there's a few there's a few character deaths in D, DS9 by the end of it. But um overall just a much darker tone, a much more a much a much more darker tone and a much more cynical tone than say next gen, which was a much more positive outlook. Yeah. But you can see the early risings of something like Deep Space Nine. That's not to say mid-stride they totally switched their thing. But but I do like to give Star Trek a little credit for the idea, a lot of credit for a lot of things. But in specifically what, what we're talking about here is this idea of this tonal shift to be on a space station, um, which is pretty, pretty hardcore. Now, this is a little more extreme because you're switching something mid-stride. You're switching something with characters who've already been established in other roles. You've changed these characters a little bit. You've put them in a tough spot. And God knows Battlestar Galactica really likes to focus on the grime and the dirt and the, and the grit of, of this type of lifestyle, much more than, say, Star Trek, catering to much different audiences, of course. But um, always, always a fun comparison, always fun to talk about. I guess my point is, yes, Battlestar Galactica is, was not afraid to push it a little bit here with this third season compared to, say, something Trek does uh, in between seasons, so to speak, but they're not afraid to say, well, let's try it on a space station and see what happens, you know? <laughs> what are we going to do? Every other one has been on a ship out there. Deep Space Nine is the only one that didn't do that. And um, and I think it's probably some of the best writing. I, again, haven't seen much Discovery, but I think it's some of the best writing, if not the best writing in the show, uh, in the in the, in the the franchise. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, pretty wild, pretty cool. Anyway, the um, let's let's dive into this open, shall we? Yeah, man. A contemplative Rosalind in her cell, <laughs> alone and barefoot in her cell. It's funny Name because comes... well, last we saw okay. her, she wasn't arrested, correct? I don't believe so. No. Yeah. So, who walks in? Her best pal in the whole world, Gaius, yep. President Gaius Baltar, dude. Too crazy, right? In he comes with a metal, two metal chairs and a balaclavaed friend. Yeah. To come have a chat. And he's basically demanding that Rosalind, which I find interesting about this, the Cylon leadership essentially has their knowledge of the insurgent leaders. Like they, they know who's, in, who's out there doing things. And even at this point, obviously, they have Rosalind in a cell. They know she's at the bare minimum involved. And Baltar himself comes to her saying, the, sur- the insurgency's gone too far. You need to not be endorsing these kinds of attacks, suicide bombings. Essentially say, like implying that I know you have sway among them still. Correct, of like, course. You're, you're involved in the insurgency and you're calling some of these shots and you need to denounce this. Let me ask you an, uh, just an overall question as we get into Gaius and Gaius actually doing stuff this episode versus just being in the background because he does his presence in this episode I think is important. I agree. Yeah. What what do you think about the position he finds himself in? Ugh, see, Gaius has come again into focus for me as maybe being in one of the worst spots of Can't of be anybody. can't be much worse, can he? Like you are, you are literally Cylon gun to your head, having to sign things, do things, you know. Like if you don't do it, we'll just waste you and find install somebody else who will. Um, which is, which I also find interesting about the Cylons in the sense of this appearance of legitimacy they still want to have in some weird way. Um, but yeah, Gaius, 
he in this scene, I think, is the most understandable what he's trying to do with what little power he has to talk to Rosalind and try and get past their personal differences and say, we got to at least not do this. Because you you know that Gaius, because of being the president, because of being in contact with all the silent leadership who, you know, most of the time are forcing him to do things, but he is still there in the room and he knows what they're talking about and planning and doing. He does see this as these attacks are just making them more aggressive. Like, we're just going to make the Cylons come after us more. Like, he, re- I, I see him in this scene as a, actually a very sympathetic character of trying to reach out from his point of view saying, this is only making things worse. The, the violence is only going to get worse and escalate, and we, we can't go about it this way. He doesn't have any great alternative, really, but he's, he's at least pleading with, with Laura, I think, in a, a genuine sense of let's not keep escalating the violence. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird spot. I think a lot of us would like to say we would be the heroic one that would just not submit and allow ourselves to be murdered. Right? I think we would right. I think we'd like to think that. I think that's the idyllic version of our uh heroic selves, but I think when presented with our mortality um with a gun to our head in a face of something that when you stop to think about it, you know you signing a paper really has nothing to do with the fact that they're going to do this thing anyway. Plus, they forced you at gunpoint. I mean, all of that aside, maybe you surrendering, maybe you whatever, you can talk about all that stuff. But it is a completely and utterly unenviable position to find yourself in. Um, I, I, I almost feel like Gaius is in this ultimate position where he can slow roll this thing if he wants to. Now, somebody different, somebody not Gaius Paltar in that position would probably, I'm not sure how that would go because he does have a friend in six who looks out for him, so that helps. Mm-hmm. So I wonder, you know, a, a clever a clever man with some, some heroism in him, which guys may have a little bit, is uh, it c- could just be biding his time for his move, right? Kind right. of like all of them are doing, just in different pos- positions. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, and that's, it's jumping ahead, but that is... Essentially, all the advice that Head Six gives him is that just stay alive to fight another day right now. You, you, you aren't in the position to really fight this particular battle. Just stay alive. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's a tough spot, man. It's a, it's a tough spot to be in. And it's, I, it's hard. Like, it's easy to just judge Gaius like everyone is doing and just say, yeah, ah, totally. you know, like, but I am a, I am a known Gaius apologist. So there's oh, that. Sure. Yeah. But no, and I agree. Like, I wish other characters knew the position that dudes like Gaeta and Gaius are in. It's not like because they were the human leaders when the Cylons took over, they are now just immediately seen as, well, just willing Cylon collaborators caving into everything the Cylons want. And it's not like that. <laughs> right, like, right. Literally gun to your fucking temple making you do this stuff. Like, what choice do you have? Right. I think, I think you're morally absolved from anyone who gets killed if you are coerced by under the threat of death to sign a piece of paper so they can clear their conscience with their maker to go murder a bunch of people that they were figured that they would have figured out a way to murder a bunch of people anyway yeah yeah exactly. like say say he allowed himself to be killed they'd still do it they'd still do it right it wouldn't stop them at all hell they'd probably just forge the fucking signature at that point they'd be like ah screw it yeah absolutely so he he is I mean, his, 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 his presence there is almost saying you have to stop this because if not, harsh measures are going to be taken. He doesn't tell her that, though. Yeah. 
No. It's kind of an interesting idea, right? So here's Gaius there because he's being compelled to go there because if not, things are going to get really bloody. Yeah. And I think he even at this point genuinely doesn't know what will happen. He just knows that the Cylons will come down hard. Of course. Like they're not keeping him that close in on the loop. Like he, he is shocked to find out what this list is later. Right. Yeah, absolutely. We move over to, um, oh, what do you think of Roslyn being unable to say she approves of these tactics? I love it. I do too. Because, I mean, at the, they both know, as much as they dislike one another, they each are, I think, on the same playing field morally with this idea. Like, each of them is uncomfortable with this. And her sure. only response to it when he's like, really, you approve of this? And she's like, well, desperate people resort to desperate measures. That's all she can say. Like, it's not even, it's not an endorsement at all. It's just a, an observation. Um, she, she can't fully endorse it. Mm, exactly. And I like that about it. They her. talk torture. He says there has been no torture. Tell that to Colonel Ty. And of course, guys, leaves this thing. I hope you understand the severity of the situation. I'd ask you to obey the dictates of your conscience, which is what I've always done. Of, of that, I have no doubt, she says. <laughs> he gives her her shoes back and, and sends her home, and we, we move right over to Jammer, right? Fucking Gestapo Jammer. <laughs> Fucking Jammer Stein. Fucking Jammer Stein. Gear Jammin. Yep. Fucking. So Cavill exits the vehicle. We got this little meeting where this vehicle pulls up. There's a curfew call, and he says, do you understand your orders? Is everything clear? Cavill, of course, asking Jammer this, and he says, uh, yes, and Cavill tells him that we, meaning the Cylons, have your back. So this is a good setup. Jammer's going to be up to something naughty. Oh, naughty, naughty. This is a weird over- one, too. I think this, this is a different position than Gaius finds himself in, as far as I'm concerned. Because this is a position that you seeked out because you thought it would keep you safe. Mm, I I do both agree, um, but I also think that this particular character, Jammer, uh, especially the way he talks to Chief later, I think he really did get lured in by the propaganda as far as like maybe – maybe this actually is my chance to help. Like if they, if enough human beings volunteer for the force, then they'll, they'll start to, you know, ease up on us and we can like start to sort out the relations and make things better. And, and just basically looking past the fact that eventually they're just going to be used as tools Mm -hmm. by the Cylons. Uh, I think he did, you know, naively think that, but I think that you're right. There is also an element of, well, if I go ahead and get in now, at least I'm safe. Right. Which is a, as a, as a sentiment, I understand from a survival standpoint. It's just oh. kind of gross. Yeah, it's a little, this, little nasty. It's really bad. This guy, this this guy Jammer. We've seen him. Like I said, he was um, he was a little iffy on trusting people, and he's always kind of been on the outs with the deck crew a little bit, right? One foot in, one foot out. So it's perfect that this very minor character has taken up this position. I think it just shows some consistent writing. That's a good point. It's a good point. He yeah. was a character that was I, I knew I'd seen before, and I knew I'd seen like in the pilot's deck and everything, and I'm like, oh, I'm struggling to remember different things he's done, but he's familiar face to me. Yeah. James Lyman. That's the character's actual name. Um, let's see. When President Law Rosin makes it public that Cylons are now capable of mimicking human form, paranoid spreads through the fleets. Um so Sinus argues with Lyman that everyone shouldn't become suspicious and stop trusting another or the Cylons get what they want. Lyman tells his shipmates that the, that the time for that kind of thinking is in the past and it's, quote, every man for himself. 
Every man for himself is his guiding principle, basically. That's me editorializing now. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's, it's, it's, it's because you only get small samples of this character. It just, I'm just happy that it works that way. I agree. No, yeah. I mean, that's yep. a very, like, um, it makes sense as an extrapolation of, like, how would this guy behave in this environment? Yeah, he might be somebody who joins the, the human police force. Yep, he does some makes fighting um, when they're uh, in, the, in the, he does some fighting when the Cylon's bored. He scoffs at Tyrell's attempt at constructing the Blackbird, and though he later reconsiders this, and he aids them. Um, so, yeah, I don't want to read any further than that, because I'll probably spoil what's going on with him. Oh, don't you dare. Don't you dare, dude. So anyway, let's shift over to the renegades waiting for a raptor transmission. To our dirty terrorists. Yeah. Ah, I love it. Love them. <laughs> our filthy, sweaty terrorists. You a were going the marketplace. A, a dynamic that just never, that never gets old to me is these three guys. <laughs> I do really like them. I really like seeing Anders in the mix here. I think that was... That was a character who who needed more. He can't yeah, just sure. be Kara's side piece. It's not it's not super interesting. And even I would I'll admit I was a little worried about where they're going to go with him at the very end of last season, where it was like now he's like the the reckless husband of Kara, and they're kind of like nagging at each other. I was like, is this the way we're going here? Hmm. That's it. That's what this guy's going to be. So glad to see him back in a position of of resistance. Of like, all right, this guy's got like actual skills here and is interesting to watch. Right. Cool, man. Yeah. I like, um, I like this dynamic for a few reasons. I just like the makeup of this, of this group of men. I like that we have Tyrrell, uh, Tyrrell, who is a guy who wants to get the job done. He's a fierce mama bear, (laughs) but he's also, he's also a, a good, a kind hearted person. Yeah. Right, it's yeah, very definitely. clear that he is a kind-hearted person. Anders has yeah. has almost fallen into the rhythm he had grown used to for such a long time on Caprica, and we see him very much like he is, which is a put me in coach. I'm I'm good. Put me mm-hmm. in, right? Ready to and, go. And he knows he knows some tricks of the trade, and he's uh, he's competent, and he's ready to rock and roll. And then you have Ty, who is heading this whole thing up, and he is. There, there is a cavalier attitude about him as, as it as it as it revolves around just the chaos and the mayhem. It, it's almost like he's calm and at home within it. Right, right. Because I think he's just accepted how bad this is going to get, and I feel right. like and he's guys calm like, about it. He's just ready to. He's he could die tomorrow. He doesn't. He doesn't care. And that's not right. to say he's reckless. It's just no. to say that he is. Completely and utterly driven to do this thing. Like we said at the top, we, we, we see Ty has a job now, like a, a serious job. And it, it's almost like he's riding this fucking thing directly into the sun if he has to. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. And I, there is this way about him of he knows how bad war can get. He's already been in there. He's already been in it. Uh, for some of these guys, it's it's not new, but it's newer. It's fresher. Um, and for him, he's, he just knows the cost. He, he knows what it's going to take to push as far as they need to. Uh, and he's basically just made peace with like, you know, yep, we're going to be doing horrible things. Like innocents are going to get killed. There will be, you know, collateral damage. It's going to happen. Make your peace with the boys. Like he's just ready. Yeah. It's almost like, it's almost like he doesn't even consider 
the moral. He doesn't consider moralizing. It's it's what he gets into it with Roslyn on. He does. It's like he's not even considering it. He's just considering. Here's the situation. Here's what we need to do to combat the situation. And then feelings and thoughts and higher ideals are really irrelevant here because they're not going to get us out of this mess. We're dealing with an implacable and relentless foe. And if we don't do what we have to do, we're never going to get out of this thing. I mean, that's not saying he's correct, but that's 100% the way he's running it. Oh, totally. I mean, he does a little reveling in it by by saying we're on the side of the demons, of (laughs) course, (laughs) that whole thing, which uh, he does here. Because Tyrrell takes exception to the fact that they've targeted a marketplace to begin with. Right. Well, and I also think, he, in a way, he's poking fun at a little bit of how the Cylons are the ones waving this big banner of, like, civilization and be peaceful with us and fall in line. He's like, oh, yeah, no, we're the bad guys here now. Like, that's – didn't you realize? The Cylons are the big, big, high ideal peace bringer religious folk, and we're the demons out here fucking causing all the trouble. Sure. And, like, just accept it, man. We're going to be the ones doing the bad, gnarly things. Yeah, which, which – the Cylon premise is so faulty and so just oh, categorically yeah. wrong. It's hilarious. Like, <laughs> live peaceably. We can't live peaceably because you're constantly, you are, your presence here is an aggression. Exactly. <laughs> Do you understand? Like, yeah. there's no peace here. <laughs> you, you are at war with us, whether or not you're smiling and handing out food rations or not. We're at war with you. That's the mentality. And if mm-hmm. that means I got to lay low in my tent for now, the second I get a chance to roll a grenade under your fucking feet, I'm doing it. yep so they make contact with the raptor right indeed and uh ty hands tyrell piece of paper which at this point in the episode we're not exactly sure what it means but it's awesome because it just says 1150 armed effectives cylon crackdown oh yeah hmm i like this because i like that it shows you how it's not just three renegades yeah they're not out. They're not out here alone. Nope. Plenty of plenty of hidden drops. Plenty of plenty of saboteurs floating around. Plenty. Yeah, <clears throat> it makes sense. I mean, there's there's no way that everybody just rolls over for this. Got it. So they make uh, they make contact, and then uh, we move over to Cavill, who is oh, going boy. over the list with Jammer. Dude, this is he is Cavill's great, shit. isn't he? He's so great. Dean Stockwell, man, again. He's so good. Him, when Jammer's like, uh, sir, some of the names on this list, I know some of these people. I'm sure you do. Like yeah. looking him dead in the eye, unflinching. Yeah, I know you know some of them. Deal yeah, I, I love this here because <clears throat> it's really become apparent in this episode that the police is of secret identity. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's very apparent. I love when they're all standing there and then they just all don masks. It's a it's an immediate whoa because they're Gestapo. Straight up. Straight up Gestapo. Outside yeah. of I mean they're very, they're they're secret police. Indeed. You know? And I mean you start putting on masks and pulling people out of their homes at three in the morning. Uh that's about as secret policey as it gets. No shit. But I like how Cavalus reassures, reassures Jammer by saying, listen, sooner or later, you're not going to need masks. The people will consider you heroes, essentially, is what he's saying. <laughs> Tough sell. Yeah, if you say so, pal. So night vision, a <laughs> uh, little uh, night vision NVG. And uh, we see Callie getting arrested, taken from her baby. 
and chaos ensues and um, wow. So we see exactly what's going on here. Dude, yeah. Oof. Callie gets ripped out of there. They just leave the baby behind crying in their tent. Unbelievable. That's some crazy third world ass shit right mm-hmm. there. So, um, yeah, cut to later, Tiro getting home, no mommy, and we go to our opening credits. Boom. Good opener, man. Great Good opener. opener for this episode. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So we have Hilo, Diadama, Cat, and a few pilots that are not don't know their names, but they're essentially going over the numbers of Ty's transmission. So they're talking about 1,150 armed effectives. And Hilo, which shocked me, Hilo thought that those numbers were thin, <laughs> which is awesome. He says, you know, that's a lot less than he should have, which means they may not be privy to things like the secret police that have started and the recruits are there. Like that's, that's something that they may not know at this point. Exactly. Based on limited communication. And I, and I like, I mean, Hilo's reasoning is really straightforward too. He, he's just going off based off the number of military personnel right. and officers. He's like, these guys and ladies should have been the ones jumping right on board with Ty. Like, why is that not happening? Right. Can, can I just say this, this overall thing right here, this just gives me goosebumps all over. The idea <laughs> of the Galactica somewhere out there making covert communications to a resistance team on a planet and you guys are coordinating rescue attack and sabotage efforts i mean stop yeah. it stop you're t- ah, it's too much of a team it's too much for me i can't ah, handle too sensitive. this <laughs> <laughs> holy mackerel <laughs> dude yeah no, but, i totally agree well d notes that heavy losses are, are bound to happen and uh, Kat has an idea of identifying pilots that would be mixed among these resistance fighters and know who can fly them off-world, which is not a bad proposition. Yeah. Because how are you going to get them off-world? But Adama breaks the news that the launch keys are not going to be in the ships. The Cylons have the keys, and this is something in, uh, Tyrrell already communicated to us. He right. says, you know, there's no need to find... We're going to have to find... They're going to have to find the original launch keys, and they all agree. Right, because to manufacture new ones is extremely complicated, and as Lee says, it would take weeks of R&D. We don't have the time. Right. Cat notes uh, a weapons drop maybe to do, and Lee says no, because if you put... This is great. I love this writing. Even if it's bullshit, I love it. It works for me in this military <laughs> science fiction. But he essentially just says, if we drop... Lee says, if we drop heavy weapons down to the Cylons and the Cylons are hip to them having this armament, they're going to assume that they're in communication with the Galactica because there's no way they would have gotten that shit otherwise. And they're exactly. going to call in five more base stars, and there's already five. Yeah. that's what And evidently, there used to be more, and they've actually actually relaxed the amount sure. they're out there. So five base stars is them having come down from their security level. And he's like, this is kind of our moment. If we fuck it up and they, they you know... If they figure out we're involved, they're just going to reinforce immediately. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, if you see a, if you see some uh, dudes in Afghanistan driving around in a Soviet tank, you're like, wait a second, <laughs> hold on, hold now. on a second. Where's a Rambo? <laughs> Where do you get that? Where do you get that? But no, that's that's kind of what he's saying. He's like, they pretty much know logistically what there should and should not be for weaponry on that planet. And if new fancy cute toys start showing up, well, right, done deal. 
they're gonna know you're getting you're gonna you're getting weapons from somewhere. And then the crackdown comes. Totally, it's no good. But um, you know, Cat has a gives him a bit of the ass. Funny, I thought this was our plan, sir. Shut up. So a couple things here. A, I like that Cat has some good ideas. Cat's still being Cat. Everyone's kind of being who I imagine them being. And I also like that even though Lee is like a sloppy bitch right now, it's nice that he still understands military strategy. He's still an accomplished officer. Oh, totally. Yeah, like what he's he, once you sit him down around a table and you start talking strategy, the real Lee comes back. Just out. not like, a plastic chair. Try to go some little more stable. <laughs> if you're gonna invite <laughs> him to the table, definitely hide the candy chair. jar too, because that guy'll take all your starbursts. I can't hear your contributions over the sound. Are you crunching M and M's, Lee? <laughs> Here, no, no, Lee. Let me get the let me get the sour patch kits for you. Adama slides them across. No, no, keep eating them, Lee. No, you are I'm more... not. This is really uncomfortable. No, no. He slides over a Snickers bar. Go ahead. Why don't you have that too? <laughs> it makes him more... sick. You want some more butter on your fruit roll up, you frack? <laughs> but good stuff here. Good stuff. All- oh, you know, one of the things we talked about is how everyone's going through this gauntlet, this crucible. It's funny because Hilo's almost like, whew, dodged a bullet on this one. <laughs> what do you mean? Because he already went through his hell. He's at least oh, on the true. ship, right? <laughs> yeah. No, and I'm so, like, I don't know if they did that on purpose, but I'm so glad that Hilo, of anybody, is, like, one who kind of gets a break here. Like, I was thinking him that and, too, and right? Him and Sharon are each kind of, like, doing better. Like, Sharon's getting promoted, getting accepted into the fleet. Hilo's on board, fucking taking hot baths. He's like, <laughs> ah, finally, shit. <laughs> It'd just be too much, man. Too much for <laughs> Hilo. <laughs> Seriously. Every Hilo gets his day, man. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, Tyrrell then asks Gaeta, because they have a little meeting, why they took Callie. And uh, we see Tyrrell's anger really come out here. And this is what I mean. He's a mama bear, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he's Don't throwing blame around. He's, he's annoyed. He's mad at Gaeta. He's, how could you do it? How could you help him? And uh, he, he, just, he is just a flamethrower in this conversation. Oh, yeah. He's fuming. And, I mean, also, I, I got a question here. Do, does Tyrrell know that Gaeta is his contact no. at this point? I was about to say, no. I don't think he did. Like, he still just, he went and sought out Gaeta himself and is talking to him, you know, just as Gaeta. And that's Correct. why I, that's why it's such a good tension under the scene. Where yep. He's like, well, why don't you just do something? Can you try to help? And he's not even realizing that like, he's been helping you so much. You know, like extreme risk to himself. Right. And I like how Gaeta doesn't, he yep. doesn't even respond to it. He just allows him to, to say what he has to say because exactly. he, um, he imagines that's a, a valid feeling and you know that that's a tough thing about Gaeta's position man oh man it's brutal dude Gaeta shows such mature like hardened restraint right here because I feel like so many people would fall prey to the thing like I'll, I am your contact man I am helping you like I, mm-hmm. I'm trying like to, to fall into that I'm trying to come for my friend I'm trying to reassure you that I am helping and also not to be seen as a Cylon collaborator you know just for your own pride like, I sure. feel like a lot of people fall victim to that shit, but dude, Gaeta is a fucking professional right here. It, and I'm glad you chose to say professional because in my opinion, he's always a pro, right? Exactly. That's one thing yeah. we've always seen from the beginning, which is Gaeta's professionalism. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. He's always that guy. 
we only ever saw him lose his shit once and for half a second, and it was also totally understandable. <laughs> also, and because we were geeking out so hard last week, we didn't really talk about the idea of him ending up with Baltar. And it's funny because ever since Gaeta in, in Baltar interacted for the first time, Gaeta's always had this hero worship for him. That's true. Right? That's a good point. I had kind of not really thought about that. Kind of interesting. Boy, that has eroded now. <laughs> Why don't you see if you can do something, General Barks? And then they, we move on to Jammer walking among the people, mask off. And I like this. I, I like that this character and this and this character's POV is considered by the writers for a minute here, which is him observing what you would call, I guess, the aftermath of the assault. Totally, yeah. Finding kids' toys that he you know, saw his men smack out of people's arms and drag people out of here. Mm-hmm. That he himself may have done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is, uh, this is intense, man. Like, deep-level secret police Tal Shiar shit here. But well, just uh, the fucking guilt of it. Oh, and, and then, I mean, Tyrrell, Tyrrell's anger spills over to this scene too, doesn't it? Someday, oh, yeah. when this is all over, guys like Gator, wait, what's he say? Guys like Gator are going to get strung up, and guys like you and me, we're going to be right there tying the knot. Making them tight. Oof. Damn. Damn. Jammer must be oh. shit in his pants right now. Seriously, dude. And also, I mean, the fact that he's like, wait, do you know any of those guys? Do you know anybody who's on the secret police? Do you know their names? And you're like, uh, no, I don't know any of them. I'm totally one of them and in charge. Jammer's mistake here, too, is, is and this is him. Sometimes he's, he's like this. He's, again, I just read his Wikipedia entry, at least some of it. And it, he just... He, it's a bad call here to make a case for the police it's that get blown so up. bad. It's a so awful bad. call, dude. The second he started doing it, I was like, "Oh man, you're fucked!" Like, don't do this. You're you're about to give all your shit away. And, and, and you know, and, I think Tyrrell was so mad it didn't. It just went right past his ears. I, exactly, dude. I was literally about to say, and lucky for him, Tyrrell was so mad that it kind of he didn't fully process it and didn't start to put the pieces together. Like, wait a minute, why are you sympathizing with these guys? Right. It's just this is it's not just the time mm-hmm. to show that sympathy. Right. And what's sad is he is sympathizing with them, and that's a, that's a mistake. Total mistake. Not with a dude like Terrell. So. Who had his fucking wife taken last night. Last night. By you, by the way. Straight up you by You and your guys. Captain. Fuck you, Captain. You're a deckhand. That's what it is. I know guys like this. I went to school with guys like this that would become the Gestapo if you just gave them the title. Oh, true. You know what I mean? Like those wannabes, they just, they just yearn for any type of authority to embrace them. Exactly. God, those people are the fucking worst. They really are. The worst, dude. (laughs) God. The second they get any position of even the most minor authority, they start trying to bark orders. They're like, what are you doing and they and it's not even that they yeah yes you're right they bark orders and in addition to that it's also like they demand respect <laughs> exactly what there's no i hate when anybody says respect. respect anything i'm always yeah. of the opinion that you should just respect the respectable right respect yep. your elders yep. i guess sometimes throw out their dick holes right <laughs> there's i just don't believe in the even the idea of demanding respect respect is it's always earned outrageous. real respect is earned yeah you can't demand it from anybody yeah well let's talk about leoben and starbuck and this fucking stockholm madness dude the craziness of this, this shit is bananas is... if i was to say to you 
here's going to be uh, the different Cylons involved in these different plots that are going to be happening in season three. Which Cylon, by name, after I gave you the multiple choice question, do you think would be involved in the most insane bananas plot? You would have guessed Leoben because he's an insane person. He's an insane person. He always has been. Go back and watch those episodes where he's getting interrogated talking about, I see the truth full full past me in the stream, Kara. Your hands have been broken by your mom or some shit he says, right? He's just, he's so out there. He's so creepy. It makes him super compelling though. Oh yeah. Great actor. Oh man. But yeah, this this moment where, where they start talking and, He's telling her about, yeah, no, the, that, the place you blew up, the, the harvester place where they had all the human women, you know, just mm-hmm. being birth factories, basically. Oh, no, we saved some of these things. There's, you know, it wasn't a total loss. We have certain medical samples like your ovaries. Uh, what? Back that up. Beep, beep, beep. Holy shit. And you know what the best part about this conversation is, too, man, is when he's, he, he saddles up to it. He, he, it's the sale where he's just like, I know how stressful things have been. Things are going to get better. And then he starts with the farm talk. <laughs> Do you remember the farm? Do you remember the farm? Of course. Oh, yeah. Oh, one of the most traumatic things I've ever seen in my life. I kind of forgot. Oops. In fact, I remember the farm so well that that's what informed me to kill you by stabbing you in the neck like I did to that guy. <laughs> it's true. It's where she really broke her wrist in on the neck stabbing. That's right. She 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 timed that that attack very well, the perfect speed and, and precision to ensure an <laughs> arterial spray. But uh, anyway, Leoben pulls a kid out of the hat. I've got an Aryan child for Ka-pling. you. It's Casey. Come on down, dude. This shit is so crazy. Bananas. I, oh my god. I uh, just watching Kara's face too, where she's like, huh? <laughs> what? So they took the egg out, put it in another broad. He bangs the broad. And then they yeah. have so he, uh, God, this guy's so messed up. This guy, what kind of cult are you running, man? <laughs> Dude, for real? <laughs> For real, he's the and Cylon I mean, that takes the. He, he's just like the humans, right? They take some. They t- they look at Christianity and then they bend it all up so they can just be fucking people's wives. That's that's Leoben. <laughs> Leoben is like the Cylon <laughs> offshoot cult starter. <laughs> it's true. It's so fucking true. And also, like, what a weird form. Like, I don't even know what to call it. It's like. It's it's like it's some kind of rape. Like that is some crazy shit. I'm gonna steal your egg, put it in someone else, fuck them, and pull out your baby, and then parade it in front of you. Like that? What? That is the most mind rapery, awful shit. Like it's so crazy. It's so. And I mean, Kara's face, her eyes are just darting back and forth. Like she's almost looking for like you can see that animal instinct run across her face. Like run, get out of the room. Like. Uh, what <laughs> this person's oh. broken escape immediately jesus it's so fucked mm-hmm. and and it's it's unfortunate too because hey that's cute kid of course <laughs> cute you think he's kid. gonna roll out one of those kids from the tv programs <laughs> this one's half-baked come on you think he's gonna roll out one of those kids from the commercials dude he goes up to the stairs no and as he steps back down revealing the kid you just hear hey you guys <laughs> Oh, here's your Cylon half-baked. Or some adolescent shit dick that she would just crack their neck in the night. (laughs) 
I guess you're my mom now. Nope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's like, yeah, the not. silent aging process, actually, you know, he's already older. He looks, he's, he looks like he's 15, but he's actually only four months old in silent years. He's got a lot of acne. Uh, here's his Clearasil. <laughs> yeah, good times. He here's likes, all his he's really prescriptions. Into porn. Here's when he sees the therapist. <laughs> anyway, D, uh, we go back to D. And uh, she's not particularly happy with who the Admiral's sending to the planet's surface to help coordinate rescue operations, Matthew. And why is she not happy with that? Because the person they are sending is a Cylon. What? Holy shit. He's got a little bit of that I... Leoban in him. Going a little crazy <laughs> there, there uh, old man. Dude, I'm not going to lie. I love this. Ah, I love it. I am so happy to see that bond that, that Adama and Sharon have. Like coming back out, it's of, great, isn't it? All right, and it, and it does. You know, it's it's a little bit of a stretch, but I do think it makes tactical sense the way he explains it. He's, you know, in his conversations with Sharon about the Centurions are programmed to not register uh, the human formed Cylons. Like yep, they he goes on and see- on because because uh, we'll, we'll cut right into that conversation as you go. But sure. that's him. Lee takes a, a major exception to this. He really, really tries to convince his dad to to not do this. I mean, it's a it's a it's a walk and talk kind of West Wing argument. Totally. So, and you know what I like about this too? We've already in the last episode. I mean, we saw Adama outright yelling at Lee and just being like, "You soft fat frack!" Like just mm-hmm. not having his shit at all in this they, conversation. They're at, they're at odds, right? You can you. I mean, you can tell he doesn't oh, want to hear him. That he's kind of been annoyed with his son lately. Um, but right. but the end by the end of the conversation, which I'm sure you're going to get to. But go ahead. Well, I was going to say, like, he never gets mad at Lee here. He never reacts with anger or aggression. It's almost like he But he's he kind of dismissive. I would say he's a little dismissive, but I also think that Adama knew this was going to be a controversial decision and was of ready knew, for yeah. people's ire and people to be pissed and, and to be, you know, disagreeing with him on it. And he was just kind of, I think, like, had prepared himself to be, like, deferential and, like, okay, like, mm. I, he's going to be pissed about this and I'm going to let him speak his piece and be mad and then and, and, and hold my ground. Yep, I think you're right. He says, you're gambling with the lives of everyone on the ship. Um, I don't need a lecture from you on the responsibility of command. We're done here. <sighs> right. They go on and on again. I, Get first back of all, to the Twinkie Locker. Yeah. Well, one, of the, one of the things I love about this moment is this idea of Adama considering the irony of the situation. They don't want their own robotic rebellion on their hands. I can appreciate the irony. Oh, I love and it. And whenever, whenever Lee just says, Dad, he turns the conversation personal. And he starts exactly. to appeal to him, father to son. Father to son. Father to More son. More like son to father, but <clears throat> true. Um, and he just says, you know, it, he, he's really made up his mind on this. Yeah. He, really he says, has. listen, why don't you resume your search for Earth? the pegasus this time i can't live with it can't face it maybe i'm a coward but i'm going back oh, i love this dude god i fucking love admiral adama he rules so fucking good they hug and him just, which is great just yeah just flat out saying like this was a horrible outcome a horrible fate for these people and I have to go back to fix it. Like, it doesn't matter if it doesn't make tactical sense all around. You know, and we don't get the exact number here, but I f- feel like um, Lee mentioned there was like 2,000 people aboard the other civilian ships that didn't land that are among the galactic. Because there were the volunteers still. that went down. Right, right. Only the people who volunteered went down. And I, and I don't have 
I feel like it was 2000, he says, are still among them. Mm. I should have written that down. Um, but yeah, like, like they have a larger amount of people up in the air with them. And basically, like, he's in a sense arguing to, to cut their losses with, with this of like, it's horrible and it's bad and I hate it just as much as you do, but we have to save humanity. We have to go away from the Cylons. We have to find Earth. Yep, for sure. All right, good stuff. Let's talk about Rosalind and Ty's meeting because it is a good one. Rosalind and Ty. Ooh, baby, um, baby. What do you think? You think you think Gaius affected Rosalind a little bit? Gaius did. You think? Do you think he did? Do you think it's a possibility? Yeah. Oh, definitely. And I think. Well, the thing about that because is, this is this, the, the talk is the suicide attacks right away. Right. And I don't think he, the thing about it is I don't think he ever had to sway her to be like, isn't that bad? She's no. always known that's bad. Of course she knows. Um, but but I, think it's, I think you're right in the sense of like it's now rattling around in the front of her brain again of like, God, we are really doing this, aren't we? Like that's, that's pretty fucking awful. Right. Um, and, that, and that's why I think she's bringing it up again. I, I think to be honest, if Gaius hadn't said anything to her, she would feel just as dismayed about it but wouldn't say anything. But now that even Gaius is saying that is some really horrible tactics you guys are resorting to, she's like, oh, yeah, it really is, isn't it, guys? Right. She doesn't, of course, say that to Gaius, as you noted, but. Right. <clears throat> United front. She's good at that, boy. She's good at making sure Indeed. She's, on the she's insurgent side. Good yeah. politician. Totally. Locked arms. Well, he asks if she's working for the silence now, and she smacks him. She apologizes. So obviously there's some tension here. And it doesn't even register with Ty at this point. No, I got one job and one job here only, lady, to disrupt the Cylons. This whole thing is incredible. He says little things like that don't matter anymore. I got one job, like you said. And he says, um, make them worry about the anthill they've stirred up down here so they are distracted and out of position when the old man shows up. So much of Ty's forward motion is fueled by the knowledge and the belief that Adama's coming back for him. For everybody. Absolutely but you know how Ty and Adama are close like that. Oh, man. Dude, the the throbbing boner Dude. I'm going to have when Ty have and no Adama idea. get to salute each other again. You have no, I'm you already, have no oh, idea. I can't even fucking handle it. Like, just this bond across space, knowing, like, hard iron fist faith that Ty's got this. And Adama's coming back. Mm-hmm. Like Adama has total faith that oh Ty's down there leading the insurgency. We're gonna be okay. And it's it never ends out. for Ty. He uh, would he would fight them until he was uh, nine hundred years old. He oh, would yeah. do it for as long as it took because he knows in his heart that Adama will return. Oh, he'd be doing the fucking Captain Miller. I'm all blown to pieces, but I'm still gonna pick up my pistol and shoot at oh, the tank. Oh, like I'm just I'm gonna keep going. Like until you're gonna have to kill me. Yeah. Oh, he's such a badass. Anyway, we go to, um, you know, sometimes I think you have ice water in your veins, and sometimes I think you're a naive little school teacher. I've sent men on suicide missions in two wars now. Let me tell you something. It doesn't make a God's damn difference if they're walking into a crowd or riding in a viper. In the end, they're just as dead. So take your piety and moralizing and your high-minded principles and stick them someplace safe until you're off this rock and sitting in a comfy chair on Colonial One again. Ooh, damn. Dude. Got a water fight. Oh, yeah. Got a water fight. so fucking ready. Mm -hmm. Wow. This this is just, 
Wow. I mean, we got Ty. This is Ty. He's back, baby. Ty is back. He, he, and, you know, he, he delivers this line with almost a smirk on his face. Because <laughs> it's like, in a way, he's almost like the only guy in the room who fully gets it. And he knows that. Of like, this is going to be ugly. This is going to be bad. We're going to suffer major losses. And it's going to be an immoral fight, in a way. Like, it's going to be just a nasty brawl. And he's just accepted that. And he realizes that other people are still struggling with it. Indeed. Uh, Jeremiah ends up talking to Sharon. He asks if Callie, I think she's on a list. So we see Jammer trying to make uh, inroads in with the Cylons to spare rescue Callie. Right. And I, you know, I don't know how much he knows, but he sure picked the right Cylon to come to about this. Indeed. I think he might've gotten one that had a familiar face. (laughs) (laughs) True. Well, want to go back to Kara and the girl child named Casey? Yeah, she's pretty. I'm Leoben. Dude, Leoben is going to get caught by fucking Chris Hansen any day now, by the way. <laughs> any fucking day now. It's coming. Well, the girl hurts herself. And Kara <laughs> is deeply affected. What happened here? Did the girl trip? I, what I think what was, was running to go... through your mind? Um, for, for I'll one, tell you, you know what, what ran through mine when I first watched this episode. Ooh, give it to me. I will link this. Cylon Treachery! Exactly in my back like, of my head. I went ram back. his head into the stairs and her head into the stairs. <laughs> Did Leoben ram that kid's head into the stairs, dude? For real? Like I honestly thought. I went back to like my season one suspicion of the silence. I was like, wait a minute, is she like somehow controlled? Did they just like program her and they turned her off for a second, made her like lose her balance and fall? Or did Leoben literally come back in and kick her down the fucking stairs? Like, what happened? Maybe, hey, maybe it was a completely mm-hmm. just accident. The kid was trying to. I mean, when you look at those stairs too, just straight fucking concrete steps, <laughs> like the least childproof fucking staircase ever. Um, but yeah, dude, my immediate thought was Cylon treachery. This is a trick. Run, Starbuck. Yep. Later, we see uh, the kiddo bandaged up. Leoben offers Kara a warm drink, and she takes it. And Leoben's face, with the smallest of flickers, says, progress. Uh, progress. So creepy. Uh. It's like he's the fuck. He's like Buffalo Bill who finally got a girl to put lotion on her skin. And he's like, <laughs> ah, good. Good. It's gross. So gross, man. Oh, I can't wait for her to kill him again. <laughs> Boomer goes to see Callie. Now, I don't really think this is what Jammer had in mind to uh, piss off seriously. Callie. And I'm not quite sure what Boomer's thinking by going into the cell because it, it's almost like she's there to confess her sins it's this kind of backfired a little for jammer and in and, and maybe even Boomer. maybe Boomer had different intentions and was overwhelmed by the whole thing right because they don't really discuss anything right that's relevant no. to jammer saying hey can you look out for callie by going into her cell and pissing her off and then having a like an i i'm i'm i'm, I'm so sorry I'm, 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 you know ah oh, dude yeah like it, i i feel like it was a moment that Jammer was, you know, trying to seek, like, all right, you've got some sway here. You're a fucking Cylon here. Can, can right. you do – right, yeah. Can you do something? Can you at least get her name off the list or do something, you know, pull some kind of leverage? Um, whereas I think what ended up happening is that 
again, this particular Sharon is the one who both assassinated Adama and then got assassinated by Callie. Mm-hmm. That same one. And I think she has all this guilt wrapped up in the whole thing. And she just saw it as an opportunity, like being reminded that, oh, man, Callie's here. I know I haven't talked to Callie since then. I think I'm going to go in and try and sure. apologize. And it's like, dude, no, that's just such a bad miscalculation at this point. Uh, it's like that just, it shows how she is truly still not a fully a human being. Like she doesn't realize that, dude, she shot you to death. The first thing she says when she walks in, she's like, oh, I wish I had a gun. I know. <laughs> <laughs> like the, the second she said that, you should have just turned around and left. It's like, okay. Yeah. That's done. Like, she ain't talking to me. And they don't talk about anything. It, no. It's just, you look, a lot's happened in everyone's life. I want you to know. And Galen, I'm happy for you guys. I'm happy you guys started a family. Whoa, Boomer. Boomer. Stop. What are you doing? Also, it in, that girl. Line, when she, the, the thing, and it's the one that, like, Callie stands up, like, all aggressively after. She Something was like, him and I so, talked about, yeah. Yes. I was like, <laughs> that was the worst thing you could have said. Yep. Like, ah, oh, that's something we used to talk about after we fucked all raw dog all the time. <laughs> you know, you and your husband and me. <laughs> <laughs> Not a good time to say that. Exactly. So stupid. How many times do I have to shoot you? <laughs> oh, Ooh. man. Ooh, Callie is pissed. This is, this is a mother scorned right here. What a great dynamic, though, that we get to see this conversation. Oh, totally. When you think about when it happened, it's, it's you know, it's crazy. I, you know, we didn't talk about this last week, but I just thought of it as I'm talking here. Remember all the times that Laoban said to Kara, this has happened before and it'll happen again, except once I was on the other side of the table. Remember? Mm, he told her their positions were reversed once. Oh, that's so true. Crazy, Fuck. right? And now they are. Yeah. God damn. <laughs> Pretty wild. Anyway, quick, quick look in on the old security checkpoint. A girl gets in and blows herself up after shooting a guard. Good stuff. Ooh, Hell yeah. Man. Like she shoots the like one the dude. Boy <laughs> and run, shoots him, runs straight down to like the heart of the, like, I guess the, the electricity generating you know, area. Mm-hmm. And just Power substation. It. Oof, gnarly. Well, Cylon Brass assessed the damage. Uh, we get a quick follow-up here with the Cylon Brass, basically. 14 dead Cylons, 23 critically wounded, four humans were dead. Uh, power substation crippled. We're weeks away from repairing it. And Cavill starts preaching, we either increase control or we lose control. We think it's time for stronger measures. And they start listening to him now, don't they? They start to realize that they can't just do nothing. Exactly. We start to pan around. These great shots of the yeah. multiple copies sitting here, and we circular pan around them. But they start saying, we agree. We yep. agree. Time for stronger measures. And it's re- the only true holdouts are the Six and the Sharon with you know human sympathies. Sure. And uh, right, most of us do anyway agree that measures are needed, and that's what Six says. And Deanna, of course, slaps an order of execution on Baltar's desk, demands that he signs it. And Six says, listen, just because you've committed to do this doesn't mean you have to drag him into your sin. So good. Interesting. Again, so much religious overtone here. So much, but only from the Sixes. Like, mm-hmm. we're not getting, like, dude, Cavill couldn't give less of a shit about any of that. You know, he even says. He, he talks <laughs> about it, but he's, you know. 
That's right. the beautiful well, irony of him is he presented himself as a, as a human priest. Oh, oh, so, so good. good. You know he did that as a good joke. Of course. He's like, He's ah, like send me in as the priest, the priest, the priest. He's jumping up and down. <laughs> ah, give me the priest outfit. Ah, it's going to be hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrific. <laughs> well, so in other words, they're worried about what God, in, in air quotes, might think if they commit murder. So they're covering their existential axis. <sighs> <sighs> so good. I mean, they push hard him. to get him to sign it, and Gaius says he will not sign it. He and Doral puts dude, the gun on him, and he says, then we'll find another president. Done, dude. What do you fucking do now? I, honestly, I, I really was almost He was standing hard on it. He was standing hard. I almost expected to see Gaius say, fucking shoot me then. Like, I'm not doing it. Uh, and it's not like he completely kowtows. It's, it's only after Six is like, just sign it. There's nothing well, else you can do. Well, and, before that, Dora blows Six away. Oh, yeah. He blows one of the Sixes away right in front of him. And Cavill says, don't worry. She'll be back. <laughs> she'll be back. But you won't <laughs> just, if you don't sign it. Uh, and Dora's aggressive. We've never seen him like this before. Yeah. I mean, fucking screaming. And he only, he like you said, hard. relents when essentially, what does it become, head six now? Yeah. Uh, uh, tells him to do it. You and have to sign always going to listen to her. When he doesn't, it never goes his way, does it? Historically. <laughs> that is true. Definitely not. So, Dana takes it and, and leaves. And that's that. Not good. Bad, bad stuff for Gaius. Oh, yeah. God, the guilt that must be weighing on him all the time now. I mean, he, he's never looked just more broken, too. Mm-hmm. Just looks terrible. He hates this. Adamo swears Sharon into the fleet. She repeats the word of the oath. Great scene. What do you think about all this stuff here? I fucking love it, dude. I fucking love it. Like, And this feels like real, genuine progression. Like, sure. we have moved past some of our points of view of the Cylons. And just the fact that they can see any Cylon whatsoever as an individual is is massive. That's that's gigantic. gigantic. I never I never thought we'd see that, to be honest. Or at least not to like the very end. And it's awesome because what a great arc for this character. Totally. Man. You know, Grace Park, great. It's good that we were able to utilize her so well and, and give her these complicated emotional underpinnings. Definitely. Oh yeah, she's fucking killer in this and just just watching adama be proud of her Hilo Indeed. be proud of her and just that seeing... stuff with her and Hilo was great oh yeah i mean this he uniform. has been Oof. in terrible positions defending her terrible positions totally. pulling guns on lee pulling guns on this guy fighting this guy murdering a guy on the pegasus with tyrell i mean he has mm-hmm. been you can't say that Hilo hasn't risked everything for her because he certainly Seriously. has completely yeah that's what uh, that's what i love i think the most about the scene that these two characters have fought tooth and nail to be where they are they finally have this recognition Mm -hmm. of you are a trustworthy person who is competent who has proven yourself i don't just see you as a fucking robot right on the flight deck sharon asks adama how do you know you can trust me i don't that's your trust is i that is so adama i love that that's so what true. love is. Thoughts. Remember? <laughs> That's like <laughs> this is his like his is the book of uh, Adama aphorisms. <laughs> <laughs> love is mostly thoughts and sometimes boners. <laughs> good hunting, Lieutenant. Ah, ah, it's so good. Son of a bitch. I 
love it. I she love boards it. the Raptor. <laughs> By the way, Cavill and Ellen Ty post coitus. Good lord. Good lord. <laughs> Dude, it's so nice to find out that God, you can still just smush so hard. <laughs> Good on you, Dean. Good on you, <laughs> Dean Stockwell. Smushing it on the reg. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you call that? that the swirl. <laughs> the swirl. I perfected it on the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> I started with a banana in my youth and moved on from there. But um, no point denying it. We know he's the leader of the resistance because they start talking Saul. He just asks, oh, when's the next meeting with the insurgents? Dude, and this is, oh, this is some cruel shit because he's, Dude. they've already banged. And now he's like, and also, I know your husband's in the resistance. Like, you're mm-hmm. not going to, to hide that from me. And banging me isn't going to make me not do anything about it. I want names or he's going to fucking be gone. That's it. Next time we take him in, he's coming out with more than just an eye missing. Yep. Yikes. Ooh. And dude, again, I have never... This was such a shock to me this season, how sympathetic I am to Ellen. Like, Mm -hmm. what a shit spot spot for her. Terrible spot. I mean, it's already rough enough that she's, like, having to bang this dude to essentially protect her husband, protect the insurgents. And now that's being kind of turned against her where, okay, you're going to harm the insurgents to save your husband's life. And, of course, he's going to save her husband's life. Yeah. It's tough to play the Cylons when they're holding all the cards. Exactly, dude. And you can't blame her. You cannot blame her for this. If you're mad at Ellen in the scene, I don't know what to tell you. Like that, ah, it's it's such a bad spot. It's the next couple scenes where it gets a little ugly for her. Yeah, man. Want, he's you know D, we move from uh, Cavill saying I want a specific time, a specific place. You're gonna give me those things, or else you know Ty's being taken in again. Mm. And then um, she makes a tough choice Oof, in this next scene. This is uh, this is bad news here, but. Before we talk about her snatching those plans, this is essentially them discussing the meeting tomorrow. She shows up. Um, they talk rendezvous, and they continue talking in her presence. I was a little surprised by that, to be honest with you. I I was at first, but then I was like, eh, you know, I guess they see her at this point as, I mean, this is Ty's wife. She is as close to him as it can be. This, they're part of the insurgency, so she's in. Like, they, they've just taken that as a, a given, which, mm. you know, hey, it was technically an error, but... <laughs> I would have been like, listen, I love you very much. I don't, I don't want you having this intelligence, because if you get captured, then you will be, right. there'll be nothing right. you can see. You know what I mean? I agree. I totally agree. Unless, like, she's just, an, unless she's a combatant or actively participating in the resistance. Like, that's, again, why Gata is so damn smart. That right. It's like, he hasn't told anyone. Anyone. Yep. Nobody yep. knows this shit, and that's, that's crucial. But Alan's, uh, Alan, Alan snags it and doesn't throw it away. Fuck. No, man. Uh, what a blow. Brutal. And that was so badass, too, that they, like, they look at the maps, they memorize the spot, and then fucking burn them. Done. Absolutely. Like, no evidence. That's so badass. But, yeah, she keeps the real map, tosses in some other piece of paper to make it look like she did. Mm-hmm. And then that is, dude, and what's so sad about it is, like, that is pure love like she hates it she hates that she's having to do this and making this choice but that is she can't see saul get hurt anymore like that that's too much for her she loves him a lot yeah i've never it's, felt uh, more feelings for ellen <laughs> yeah it's a, it's a tough spot to be in it's it's too bad she couldn't say something to him it's too bad you know what i mean it's too bad she couldn't tip them off or well, something man yeah well 
Gator yells at Guys for signing the death warrant, and uh, Guys yells back. Yeah, nothing I can do. He's not having it. I've seen them! Because <laughs> he's like, did you see the names on the list? And he's pressing him, pressing him. Gate is stressed and Guys is stressed and they're both stressed from separate things, but they stress about this together. You know, it's just good. A good collision oh, so of, good. of characters here. It's so fucking good, man. It's just, ah, oh, it's so heavy. Like they're, they're each in just total dismay. Like, what do you do? I, I did, I did wish, I think he gets the point across, but I did wish Gaius was just like, they had a gun to my head, man. A mm-hmm. gun to my head. They're, they're ready to put somebody else in here immediately. What well, else do I do? Exactly. People start getting rounded up. Roslyn is a target. Um, meanwhile, Sharon pleads with Deanna, which is what she should have done the first time, but it doesn't matter, for Callie's life. She tries to push push the uh, her husband runs a labor union angle, and uh, <laughs> if we upset him, we're, we're in trouble. It goes, goes nowhere. Deanna's not having it. Um, she tried to murder you. Maybe, it was, maybe this is God's justice. I think she says something along those lines. Mm-hmm. And we have an amazing moment next, Matt. Who the fuck gets piled into the truck next to Rosalind? Uh, our boy Zarek. Dude, uh, you know it. he wasn't capitulating. Hell no. Hell no. Like I said, busy much for these days. Years. Not much to. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I love him right here. Not much to do in detention. <laughs> you like, know they threw his ass in there fucking around. Like, he's like, I don't know about y'all, but I know how to jail. I've done it. <laughs> I've done that. <laughs> yep. I told guys I wouldn't collaborate. He got pissed. And see, again, that right there is another new shifting dynamic. Like, we right. have only see them be at odds and sometimes be outright enemies trying to kill one another. You mean Rosalind and Zarek? Yeah. Yeah. And, and now we see them, com- you know, obviously they're probably not just ready to hug, but at the same time, they're, they're comrades in arms, man. Like, it is now fully just humans against silence again. Like, that's, mm. there's no, I don't think there's much of a power play thing going on from Zarek here. Like, they are no, just No, I mean, she resisting. laughs. I love how yeah. she laughs at the, the idea of him not collaborating, and she's like, well, he was pissed at me, too. <laughs> they each have a good laugh about it. Like, ah, we each get to be zip-tied. <laughs> Uh, we see the Raptors break in, low low altitude, very cool. This is cut with Anders moving to the rendezvous, uh, meeting up. Go Panthers, Seabucks rules. They got their little like thunder flash shit. Uh, Sharon comes out of her cover. Anders is the same. They hug. Very cool music here. Very, very uh, hits you in the feels kind of stuff. It's been a long time. Funny, I feel like I see you every day, Anders says. <laughs> Which is great. Ah, uh, it's so good. We see the trucks rolling on with the prisoners, and then, of course, Leoben and Kara hang with Casey. And, um, boy, this is a moment in this show, isn't it? What do you think's going on here? Just uh, to remind people, essentially, they're looking at the baby, uh, the little girl. Leoben puts his hand on uh, Kara's shoulder. It was an accident, Kara, nothing more, says Leoben. Casey's eyes open, as if on cue. Kara grabs Casey's hand. Then she reaches back and grabs Leoben's hand. Oh, God. Fucking manipulation from hell. Yeah. God, such manipulators. It's disgusting. Who's manipulating who? Mm, that's a, mm, that's mm. a good point, too. Um, but I do think, God. Tough call. I think it's, it's tough. And I, and I think Kara, not that she's like wants to be a mom, but I think it's just. No, too it's an hard instinct. of it. 
of an, of an impulse it's to resist you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that, and that goes for anybody, male, female, of like this little tiny kid. You're, you want, you don't want them to be hurt. Of course. You know, and you're trying to look out for them, even though they've just been thrust on you. Mm. Um, but God, they, he is totally just using that moment as a emotional wedge. Just like, ah, let me just put you where I want you. Yeah. So we go to uh, some trucks roll out. Autobots roll out. Um, and we see Cavill ordering Jammer to let the prisoners stretch their legs for a minute, which is just disgusting. Because Jammer has no idea. And Cavill has the idea of, as to what's going to go down here. Uh, tell me something, Laura. Last year, you tried to steal the election, didn't you? Yes, I did, Tom. I wish you'd have gone through with it. Me too. <laughs> ah. <laughs> oh, shit. It's so good. And we get this cut with a Centurion getting the drop on Sharon's team. She hears it first, which is cool. Gunfire erupts. Chaos happens. Jammer cuts Callie's zip tie and tells her to run not to look back. So Jammer does a solid here, sends Callie out, lets her run free. She does. And then a terrible thing happens, Mr. Anderson, and that's Centurion's crest a hill, guns out. I guess they don't really draw their guns, but... And then arms we see... Arms turn into them. <laughs> arms. Well, look. They all look on in horror. We see Rosalind. We cut away, and we hear burst fire. Episode over. Ooh. And not to mention, we see um, Sharon and our, our rendezvous crew get ambushed as well. Yep, I mentioned they're, that. Joe, oh, you got that. Okay, yep. yeah. Like, they're getting gunned down. A bunch of their red shirts getting wasted. Indeed. And now, potentially, I mean, fuck. How many people die right here? We're going to find out. Ugh. But not till next week. So a couple things I want to talk about with that last scene before we bid the good people adieu, and that's this, man. What a cool idea of... What, what a smart plan by Cavill, which is yeah. there's no way that even though these guys have done terrible things for us, there's just no way Jammer's going to willingly participate in executing all of these people. Absolutely. So income the Centurions. And what's crazy about that is you have them in the position of, you know, all these people are out here, they're brought off the trucks, and, you know, the human police officers are there. Once the Centurions come up, even the human police officers know, if I try to stop this, if I try to get in the way of this or, or get people out of here, I'm getting gunned down too. Mm. Like, like it, it's now a matter of stand out of the way because there's nothing you're going to do to stop this. Yeah, that for is sure. heavy shit. And I'd be like, wait a second, are they going to kill all of us? Dude, for maybe. Shit. <laughs> I'd be fucking taking some cover for sure. <laughs> but yeah, great ending, man. Burst fire, cut to black, episode done. Damn. Oof, oof. Crazy, man. I, I uh, was totally shocked at, wait, Zarek and, and fucking Rosalind right there. I mean, right. are, are they dead? Like, <laughs> Jesus, they can't just waste them right here, right? Is this Game of Thrones now? Indeed. Oh, man. Well, listener comments, um, of which there's a a specific one we should read. Indeed. Um, I have it. It's for you. And then we'll wrap with our final thoughts. Ready? I'm ready. So, question for Mr. Anderson, says Tony Piccolo. During the season's reopener, you both were talking about the dynamic switch of both the show and a lot of the characters now that so much time has passed in a silent-occupied environment. Now that you're two episodes into the season and have more of a feel for the new Capricorn life, I have three-part question. What one dynamic about the show, New Capricorn, do you enjoy the most, then the least, 
And if you were in the director's chair, what's one thing you would do differently about New Caprica? Ooh, that's a good question. Damn. Um, I think, for one, the, the thing I enjoy most, I think, is going to be absolutely no surprise, the insurgency. That's fucking fantastic and, and killer. The, the secret codes, the signals, the you know, subterfuge of all of it. Ah, great. Fucking love it. One hundred percent on board with it. Um, the least is actually I got. I'm I'm happy to say is hard to say because it I'm, is hard to say. I, I was just trying to think of it myself. I'm like it's all. It's actually all so good. Um, well, would you mm, change anything? Boy, it's so funny that you ask that question now, Tony. Because I there have been episodes and, and stretches of episodes in the past. I I've you, talked about it some I where I would have been like, yes, I would change this and this and this. And now here I'm like, no, this is great. <laughs> I'm just enjoying I know. it. It's a tough question with such strong stuff going right now. That's ah, so good, dude. Um, damn. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, do you have anything that you wish they had focused on more less? If anything you would add or subtract? Hmm. I don't know if there's anything that I would add or subtract. I think, I mean, if I'm if I'm sitting in the director's chair, I'm just happy it's going so well. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? I feel like they're kind of nailing, nailing it. There's, you know, it, it's funny. You know, you're you're. It's almost like here's this beautiful, amazing home. You know what I? You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of like bullshit, and I don't mean Tony's bullshit, but it reminds me of when you're at work and it's and it's like you get your annual bullshit review and your annual <laughs> yeah. bullshit review has to write bad things about you so they make shit up sometimes <laughs> or they're like oh you know you should really try to grow more or something stupid smiles because, too much just because you're always urged at least where i worked in these corporate environments never to write like perfectly glowing reviews you have to come up with stuff that they need to work on and that's almost <laughs> like what i feel like i'm doing i feel like i'm reliving that right now Right, because I'm not like, dealing with anything. It's not shitty. It's it's fantastic. So it's Adama hard to should say. Fo- <laughs> Lee Adama should focus on his personal growth and not growth. The opposite of that. Yeah. Um, here's what I would change if I was in the director's chair. I want more Tom Zarek. We should we should have more Tom Zarek. Mm, I do agree with that. If I'm I like, if I, I want to throw out a nitpick, I love the idea of seeing him there. I like the idea of war making for strange bedfellows. Um. That's something I would love to see. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Like, and I, I'm not even worried about that because I think with the introduction of Zarek here, we're going to start getting more of him. At least I hope. I hope that's a signal that that Zarek is going to become more involved because I'm always a, a fan of Zarek. Seeing him up to his intrigue. Um, but yeah, man. I, I guess my only other thing, and this is not for any one particular episode. Uh, I do. I do want to see, I want to see Adama return before like the end of the season. Like, like I don't want this to be a, and I'm not saying necessarily everybody's off of New Caprica and all the silence on New Caprica are destroyed and they make it away. Hooray. But I want Adama to be back in the fray of this, you know, within another two, three episodes, something like that. Like, I don't want it to be a season long thing of we're still sending him radio messages. Oh, we're still waiting on this and that. Like I want it to, to come to a head. Um, and I have to, to be honest, I have a feeling that's going to happen. <laughs> Got it. All right. And I have an emailer, JD, who asks a great question. He says, question, 
Do you think he's referring to Colonel Ty? He has a whole email about Colonel Ty. I'm not going to get into the whole thing, but he says, nice. uh, great question. Do you think he might know about Ellen's sex deal with Cavill? Mm. Could his knowledge of this be added weight to his lashing out? Ooh, that's an interesting question. It's clear well, that being if- in detention, losing his eye, and torture has spun him into this aggressively dark character. He's no longer the stupid drunk. I would argue, J.D., that he's always been that character. He just became a stupid drunk as he was looking at the end of his career and the retiring of his ship. Yeah, um, no, I agree. He does say he's on a mission, which we've said many times, so we're all in agreement there. He says, I think it's great to watch. He's filled with rage, but there is still that military control he carries, and while not in uniform, he still displays his authority, grit, and experience. Very good stuff. What do you think about that question? Mm, I think that's a really interesting question. Ty is pretty, um, pretty hip to stuff. Remember, he's one of the ones who uh, confronted um, Boomer and Tyrrell. Yeah. He says, look, true. I know what's going on. Well, there's, there's a part of me that thinks that Ty is so aware of himself and of who Ellen is and their, their dynamic. And, I mean, we joked about it last season about how he's like, oh, you go on down to New Caprica and cat around with some new boys. Like, I think he kind of knows that she fucks around a little bit. And it's one of those things he's just kind of like accepted about her. He definitely has accepted her infidelity over time, but consorting with the enemy? Well, for strategic value, I'm like, maybe he is like, all right, if you're a secret agent, Ellen, this is kind of what you're good at. Um, I I don't think he knows. And I only say that because I don't even, I, I don't remember if he knows or not in the writing. But I say that because the reason I say I don't think he knows is because I don't think he sees any gain from it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, so, there's like, nothing obvious. There, in other words, there's no obvious benefit to her fucking the guy that he can place. Well, the only thing I would say to that is that maybe. Getting out, maybe? That, yeah, the getting out, getting him out of prison and shit and getting leniency, but also gaining possible information. Not even necessarily, like, I think we got to always remember, too, in situations like this, like, there's the type of information of very concrete stuff of like, all right, here's where the Cylon Battalion's located and here's how many there are, blah, blah, blah. Or, and there's the information of what's their disposition. Like, are they looking to attack or are they in a more defensive mode? Are they, you know, what, what are the things are they focusing on right now? Are they maybe actually more so focusing on construction projects versus military projects? And just getting an idea of what these Cylons are focusing on, I, I think is information that could be gained from her you know, being around them. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, so I got, like I said, I'm of two minds of this. Like I could see Ty actually kind of having that pragmatic attitude about it. Of like, all right, well, if we can get something out of this, so it's, it sucks and I don't like it, but we can get something out of it and it's, you're helping me. So be it. But then there's the other side of me that goes, I mean, when they reveal that Sharon is the, the rendezvous agent, he's like, all right, is this your idea of a joke? Like he's so, He's so full of just the most bitter hatred of Cylons. And I'm like, I, mm-hmm. there's a part of me that thinks the idea of him, his wife fucking a Cylon would make him want to fucking blow everybody away. Like he's kind of doing? A little bit. Which is what <laughs> so, kind of feeds into JD's. That's how JD kind of framed yeah. the question too. But, you know, Danny in the, uh, in, the, in the Mixler chat has a good point. He says, I think she, he goes, he knew she fucked Cavill, but not that she is now. Which makes me think when, you know, they greeted each other at the prison doors, he may have suspected in that moment that this happened. Right, but not that it's continuing. Correct. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a really good point, Daniel. Yep, yep, yep. Good stuff. Final thoughts, man. Boy, I feel like I'm pretty tapped. Um, yeah, me too. <laughs> I, I super duper hope that uh, Rosalind and Zarek aren't just fucking dead. Um, that would be brutal. Um, and boy, I cannot wait to see... 
for one, I, I, I think the biggest asset they have on the ground now, of course, is Sharon from, from the Battlestar. She's down there oh, yeah. now. Now you have a fucking Cylon on your side who is going to be able to slip by all of them undetected. Is there anybody else who can find out where the original ship keys are and get a hold of them better than her? I don't fucking think so. I mean, she's, she's the golden ticket right now, and they're currently being ambushed and shot at, so that's, that's on rough ground as well, but I am super excited to see the kind of spy saboteur shit we might be getting in the next episode or two involving Sharon. I am amped for that. Um, and also, I'm, I'd say the thing I'm the worried the most about as far as this season goes is Kara. I'm like, Jesus Christ, somebody's got to get her out of there as soon as possible. Like, damn. And I'm sure, you know, I think it's mentioned briefly the last episode where Anders is like, I have no idea where she is. It's just totally out of contact. Like, he hasn't heard from her in any way, shape, or form. Right. No communication. Nobody knows where she is. Um, so she is, like, in the midst of the Cylon stronghold being fucking mind-fucked. Um, and that's just terrifying. God, what a nightmare situation she's in. Also, I'm even starting to have a theory that he's lying to her and she never had a fucking baby. This isn't from her ovary. That this is just a fucking clone of her. Mm. It's not impossible. Many possibilities, know. my friend. Many possibilities. Oh, it's yeah, good me. stuff. Uh, excellent yeah. direction of the show. We've, we've said it oh, enough. Yes, we don't need to say oh. it anymore. So Other than that, you should visit us on the web at libertyshreekgeek.net, baby. That's libertyshreekgeek.net if you like this, if you like our Battlestar Galactic coverage. We cover many different things. We got memberships. We got Twitters. We got Facebooks. We got all that shit. Join the fun. Hang out with really cool people. And uh, probably the most important thing is to share this podcast if you like it. Make somebody subscribe to it. Watch them do it on their phone. Command them to do it. Lord over them like Laoban. And uh, just don't get stabbed in the neck with a steak knife. That's it. There you go. All right. Awesome. Thank you guys very much. Uh, We will see you guys next time. Goodbye.